0: Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Ancient Near East. podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves i'm alex joffey director of the bob and ray institute of archaeology at the university of southern north dakota at hoopoe with me as always are two academics from real institutions professor jp Dessel of the university of tennessee and professor rachel hallett of the state university of new york at purchase we're speaking to you today from the walk-in humidor at the Father Guido Sarducci Center of Excellence for the Ecumenical Study of Interfaith Religion and Society here on the beautiful Hubel campus. Today we're taking another look at the unusual Iron Age cult site at Moza only a few kilometers west of Jerusalem. Moza currently sits beneath a giant highway overpass and even more unusually has an imposing structure with a porch, an inner and outer chamber, not unlike other ancient Near Eastern temples. But what about the big silos, the figurines of horses and riders, the little tiny figurines with beards, suggested by some to depict the face of God? We've talked about those before. And now the legs of a stone statue, suggested by some, you guessed it, to be the legs of God. These sound like unusual features. Is Moza a rival to the temple in nearby Jerusalem? or was it something else entirely okay so here's my uh, here's my lightning round question to you and and you'll see as with all lightning rounds it's all it's all uh, of a piece um most memorable highway experience whoa Hmm. not necessarily beautiful not necessarily bad just most memorable America is a country defined by its highways, as are many countries, but what stands out in your minds?
1: Wow. All right. I'll 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 start. I could start with, you know, the near crash I once had, but I won't. Um,
0: that, that would be a
1: bad experience. That would be a bad experience. No, every time uh, I used to, in the days when I used to drive from New York to Boston uh, quite a bit, I um, I would sort of feel like I'm on the same route uh going up maybe 95 or maybe going up um the other one <laughs> the same <laughs> route I can't think of the number number yeah 91 maybe no i don't know yeah. anyway um yeah, yeah uh anyway i would i would sort of feel like these are the same routes that people have been traveling since well i would always think since the colonial period but really long before that as well except you know instead of going by foot or on horseback or in a carriage now i'm in a car speeding along but the same sort of view the same trees um the same route that people have been using for hundreds if not thousands of years so so that's not a single experience but it's a it's a highway thought that i've had many times oh okay yeah, especially when the leaves are changing and it's so pretty and you think people oh, have been okay. seeing this forever
2: oh that's oh that's all very nice I, I that's, that's
0: interesting because it's a kind of, um, it's not an event, but it's a, a kind of exper- experience or a process. Yeah. Right. right.
2: And I was thinking of an event, but now I can think of a process also. Well, give us both. Well, there are many events, but I'm going to just filter most of them out. <laughs> I had a, oh, and Alex, you know this, you know of this vehicle that I had, the Isuzu Pup a pickup truck that had some kind of uh, ambiguously faulty wiring so that whenever it got rainy or wet, the car wouldn't start and it would stall and then not start. And I was driving from New Orleans back to Starkville, Mississippi. And, you know, when you leave New Orleans, there's that big causeway across Lake Pontchartrain and it was raining and the pup. And, you know, it's this long causeway and there's just nothing and it's huge. And and my pickup truck stalled out. Hmm. And I, I think I might have prayed <laughs> for it to start again. And I didn't start it for like a half an hour because I didn't want it to flood and all that kind of stuff. And it's just raining and awful weather. And I just... Yeah, I guess I prayed. I am I'm, I'm I'm atheistic, I'm agnostic enough to admit it.
0: <laughs> there there are no atheists when you're yeah. stalled out on a non mile
1: causeway. long crossway. And and then, I, and then because you're you're sitting here now, clearly it started at some point. And it started it didn't
2: run well, but it did start. I think I limped across and limped back to Starkville at something on the order of 40 miles an hour.
0: Uh, And just, yeah. So that's, that was quite a truck because I remember it had the parking brake on the dashboard or something. Yeah, it did. That was a really, that was a a strange vehicle. Interesting. (laughs) Alex. I I have one, I have one stalling story. Oh, I was waiting for the big story. No, 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 but there's a, the I'll just throw in my stalling stories. a Matter of stalling, <laughs> coming back in my um, Chevy Blazer from from down down the shore in, one summer afternoon from visiting my aunt, and the truck, which also had mysterious electrical problems, stalls in the middle of the um, the Edison tolls on, on the turnpike. With fifty bajillion cars around me, and 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 basically, you know, having to push it to this parking lot on the on the side, and as the sun as the sun goes down, uh, waiting for the thing to cool into a state of of you know rebirth. But my my story uh, that that was that's a bad memory, but a more memorable memory, in the sense that it it's formative comes from the late 1960s indeterminate date sometime in childhood (laughs) taking place in almost the same spot linden new (laughs) jersey driving past the refineries in the back of my parents um station wagon at night and watching the flares from the refinery burn off the gas Mm -hmm. And it's like driving through Mordor. <laughs> and, and I'm on my way to my grandparents' house on the Lower East Side. So it's transitioning from one place, the shore, to quite another place, the city, through this, through this liminal space Ooh. called Northern Jersey. And well, that's uh, great, complete that's with great. Fire. Complete right. with you know flames shooting <laughs> from my perspective, lying in the back of the car, thousands of feet into the into
1: the sky. Yeah, the so, idea of highways is liminal.
0: Well, I think highways are liminal in in more ways uh, more ways than we yeah. realize, and <laughs> and of course that brings us to <laughs> to um, our subject du jour, um, a temple underneath a highway.
1: <laughs> right, you should have you should have asked us lightning round about highway overpasses or underpasses specifically. Although maybe that would be nothing. Come of that,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any any memorable overpasses or underpasses. Although I'd have to think about that.
1: I, yeah. I can think of one, but I think we should probably <laughs> get into the uh, get get into the the actual pith of things with
0: this moza Well, but this that temple. but this yeah. is what makes this temple it's not the only thing that makes this temple so interesting but it, it really makes the setting extra super unique in is the fact that there's now a giant highway um that's over this over this temple and this and this site called moza seven kilometers west-ish northwest outside of jerusalem where um, there is a site an I- iron age site with 10th ninth/ century finds and maybe a seventh sixth century series of strata also and um, a temple <laughs> and, and what do what are we to what are we to make of this and yeah <laughs> I mean, what's uh, it doing under an underpass? Exactly. That, well, that's
2: the first question. What on earth is this temple doing under an underpass? Which well, came first, the site
0: or the uh, or, or the or the overpass? <laughs> <laughs> um, right.
1: Well, I guess it's important to point out that while notes has been excavated a bunch of times, um, at least part of it was done as a salvage project when they were expanding the highway. Um, And I don't know if that was when the overpass was built or if this, I I don't know, maybe one of you knows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because it used to be just a road that you'd go down and wheedle along the highway, uh, along the the valley, and then come up and and over. And there was a gas station at the top of the hill. Right. um, So, where, and there was a bus stop there.
1: Now now it's, you know, projects are really quite the The pictures rather are really quite interesting because you actually see the archaeologists working under this overpass, which is you know, I never got to do that.
0: Right hundreds of tons of concrete um, as a, as shade right. Um, so that's one that's one less budget item that you have to <laughs> factor in when you're planning this project. but uh, but why are we talking about this? Oh, because. <laughs> because uh, we have a long tradition in this podcast of talking about um, strange religious sites. And it also is a site where they have um, figurines, possibly of who knows what, and now some legs, (laughs) some stone legs, which, which who knows, maybe are of the deity from a cult niche.
1: And that's the exciting, that's the exciting find that uh, a bunch of media outlets have picked up on. And I think that's what led us to this topic.
0: Right, so it's sort of from the knees down. Um, and I don't know, comments, well, I, there's, <laughs> Where are gonna begin.
2: Yeah, exactly, there's so many things to say, not the least of which is if there's a temple in Jerusalem and there's a temple at Moza and they're built by the same polity, is it another case of, you know, that synagogue I belong to, and this synagogue I wouldn't step foot in. Oh, I, I, like think of,
0: I think of this as just the, the suburban shul with a pole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting that there's
2: a lot of uh, extensive discussion about the figurines, and in fact, we even mentioned the figurines in an earlier episode. But um, for me, the most important thing, or the most interesting thing, is, is the existence of this, of this temple to begin with, and the existence of this site, the very small village site with a temple um, and, you know, being very close to Jerusalem and sort of being proximate in the, you know, in the ninth and eighth centuries to the Jerusalem-Israel border. Um, and, and that's, for me, sort of a more interesting aspect than the fact that there's a lot of cult paraphernalia found at the site.
0: But wouldn't we expect there to be sites of these periods all over the place and and in these various sites, Israelite, Judean, what have you, for there to be cultish stuff going on because they were very into those things.
2: Right. Oh, I, I absolutely think so. But every time one of these, you know, cult sites is found, it's always becomes sort of like, oh, you know, this is unexpected. This is unanticipated. Um, right, right. but I absolutely think we should always be anticipating these kinds of things and that the landscape was, was probably pretty crowded with all sorts of, you know, unusual, um, po- you know, sites with political, uh, and, or religious, you know, content in
1: it. Right. Right. But, but I think I'll, I'll point out what might be, might be obvious to us, which is, uh, you know we we as a society we as a consumer society who reads news stories still are biblically based right and the whole concept of having you know the bible there's one temple it's in jerusalem and everybody knows that and every time archaeologists come up with yet another temple that's kind of a a new a new thing at least in terms of public consumption um people are always surprised when when it becomes clear that they're not just worshiping in Jerusalem and maybe they're not worshiping, you know, on the straight and narrow, the way the Bible describes. So that's, I think what all the excitement is about. Would you say that? Or? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yep. Even though we've already been through this many, many years ago with a rod and with the, um, <clears throat> with the big four horned altar at Beersheba And, right. uh, so we know about all of this. Uh, we know that when Israel was created as a nation state in the ninth century early 10th, 9th century, that it too had its own cult sites and cult centers when certainly at, at dawn. So we know that they're very, you know, they're not shy about <laughs> building cult sites. And right. they're not so dedicated to the, uh, you know, uh, singular Jerusalem. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. And what always, what always bugs me is, you know, if you read, if you read the Bible closely, uh, who's doing that?
0: I want <laughs> names. <laughs> really where's the fun in that <laughs> no no no
1: names. no names uh if you read the bible closely you know it's clear that solomon is worshiping all these other gods right the text tells us that and all these later kings of, of judah are setting up cult statues to to other gods and you know then there are the couple of reformer kings who get rid of all these other cult statues and cult paraphernalia but uh but the text tells us quite clearly they're worshiping at different cult sites, and they're worshiping gods besides the the one god. So, so you know, if you do read the Bible, you shouldn't be surprised about this stuff at all. But people are always surprised,
2: right? Well, it's certainly it's certainly a, a good angle on things to find a temple. It's always good to find a temple. Um, it's it's exciting. It's new. It's interesting. There's a couple things about this temple. I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about the figurines more,
0: or do you want to get into the other aspects? Well. Figurines are good. Figurines I mean, figurines are good. Well, we didn't, we, we talked about, we, we should point out that for our listener, that you can go back in the archives and and listen to um, episode whatever number it is, uh, where we talked about figurines in general and possibly the face of God at a nearby site. And that face looks not, uh, not dissimilar from some of the figurines that are founded this site and that were published a few years ago. Wait
2: a minute, you look familiar. Hold it, wait a minute. <laughs> I know I knew you from someplace. I can't quite place the face. Is it? Oh, is it Yahweh? Are you Yahweh? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're they're guys. They're ceramic. <laughs> they're they're about <laughs> two inches. They're kind of little. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah
0: it's... And they've got little dots for for beards. And. Wait.
1: Uh, you know what we should do before before we continue with this <laughs> um can we just describe the the kind of context of this so we've got the site whoa, whoa, whoa. it's seven kilometers from jerusalem they found in the site a whole bunch of stuff including some sort of storage building a lot of silos um and this building which um in its later incarnation uh was probably a cult building and it's its earlier incarnation seems to be a a tripartite temple of some sort, although only the the front of it, not the back of it, has been has been revealed. So it is around this early or was it I don't know if it was earlier late but Iron 2 A um, building where they found various uh, like like there was a there was a refuse pit and there was an altar and there was a storeroom. And it was in this context that they found this particular new set of legs on a...
0: a, (laughs) He's got um, a set of legs on him, this guy.
1: Now, okay, close my parenthesis, go on and discuss your figurines.
0: Well, I think we did really. (laughs) There there are two of them and they're little, and they're two horses also. Right. Right. And, you know, the horses, there's a long tradition of horse figurines in, in the Iron Age, you know, more more Phoenician coastal kind of thing. But um I don't know why are these guys gods? I mean, okay, so there's a there's an altar which is like a big square thing, it's a right. square platform. And in this not gigantic building, I believe it's 18 by 13 meters, so that's right it's it's it's, it's healthy yeah but it's but it's not it's not gigantic no um and there's a pit which has animal bones mostly of younger animals Mm -hmm. so sure
1: it also had like a broken cult stand in that pit
2: and isn't it nice to finally find a cult stand in a cult context
1: yeah actually that's a good point yeah
0: I know it kind of yeah, looks like a big funnel to me. Yeah, exactly, it does look like a big funnel.
1: And all this stuff seems to be just kind of in front of the temple before you actually enter the temple itself. Um, right. But the temple itself is sort of your typical Near Eastern Levantine style temple, architecturally speaking, which- long room, A long room temple,
2: uh, tripartite or bipartite temple, yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, with the two pillars in antis. Um or a bundle sound anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> in in Antis? Was that like in front? Yeah. In the portico. Just, just say in front. In <laughs> In the portico area. Yeah, the portico. Uh, the porch area. Yeah, yeah. the porch. On the porch. In front of the porch.
1: My, yeah. my old school um, Near Eastern art and archaeology training.
0: Yeah, I know. It's just, I saw Miss Melink uh, outside <laughs> earlier today. You
1: know, I don't think that's possible, but. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's a typical um, Syrian, um, Levantine, whatever style temple, much the way the temple in Jerusalem, which we can of course never excavate, was described in the biblical text. So we know we're in the right um know we're in the levant we know we're in the levant
2: and and for me there's a there's an important little distillate from this temple style that never seems to be discussed when looking at the origins of the israelites and are the israelites insiders or outsiders and everything else and that is is that this temple style goes back to the to the late third millennium in in syria and it's found uh progressively in greater quantities throughout the middle bronze age and late bronze age. Uh, It's not the only temple style, but it is certainly well represented in the Northern Levant and uh, to the eighth and seventh centuries. And to me, the fact that the Solomonic temple and now this temple at Moza, unlike the temple at Arad um, are Levantine style or you know syrian long room style temples is a clear indication of the of the canaanite pedigree of the israelites yeah if they're going to use a canaanite style temple then then that seems to me very clear that uh that their background is a canaanite background
1: uh absolutely absolutely um so so is that overlooked, do you think in who no, no one ever no one ever mentions
2: that in in any kind of academic sterile you know discussion of who the Israelites are. The mm-hmm. fact that ultimately the Israelites reproduce, you know, Canaanite style temples and use it as their own, which you know delays their own tradition. Mm-hmm. Um if they were to have if the Solomonic temple looked like the Arad Temple and was a, you know, um uh uh broadroom style temple then you would have a completely different interpretation uh, maybe of the cultural background but it isn't uh, it's a long room style temple if it was round right it, <laughs> right but I, but there are no examples of round there are examples of broadroom temples yeah. there are very early examples in the Can- in the uh, calcolithic and then there's a very late example at uh, at arod so you know we know that the broadroom style temple is a southern Levantine style that is, you know, kind of sporadic, but has very, very deep roots, and is certainly they're certainly aware of the Broadroom style temple very, very late in the whole tradition of temple building because it's found at Arad. Yeah. Uh, yet that's not the temple style that's used or that's depicted in Second Kings, nor is it the temple style that is found at Moza. So um, I think that that's just a kind of a sidelight or uh, something that's noteworthy in terms of complete and total continuity from the Late Bronze Age into the Iron Age.
1: I think that's a really important point. Yeah, yeah. It's a regional tradition and uh, it keeps up and we wouldn't, I mean, if we think about it, we shouldn't expect anything else um, because they, yeah. It's well, night. If, I...
0: if you're a, 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 an Iron Age king or potentate or, <laughs> or, or, or complex chief, um you know something above a trans egalitarian hunter gatherer um you want to keep up with the styles you want to you're not going to make something that people aren't going to recognize and there's exactly. a there's a kind of template yeah and it's all part of you know legitimization you're not going to you're not going to go off and build
2: a round temple that's just crazy talk. <laughs> Right? come see my round be. temple no, yeah, you, have to, you, have, you have two choices are, are you going to hearken to some kind of tiny little regional style broad room where you're gonna you know are you gonna go with a known winner you know something that has survived for millennia you're, you're gonna go with the with the millennia survivor right right um, and, and then of course so the other interesting thing I mean there's a lot the other interesting thing about the moza temple is that it's yes it's a big building at a small site and that's always noteworthy <laughs> having excavated a really big building at a really small site in the Galilee Uh, I can attest to how that is a very interesting kind of thing, signifying the dynamism found in at at the village level as opposed to just the urban level. Mm -hmm. But the other
0: thing is, is so we have the northern. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Why is it? Why? Why? Why is it show dynamism? Why isn't it just like all right, Uh, everybody come for one day's work? I was giving you an Easter egg, Alex. (laughs) Let's (laughs) just throw this. We're going to throw this thing together in a day. I was giving you one of the titles
2: that I gave, that I had in some dopey little ASOR newsletter, for what I was working on. And one of the first times we met, you said, "I really like the fact that you use
0: the word dynamism." <laughs> well, well, now, like forty years later, I'm tr- I'm, you know. I know you. I know you remember stuff forty years ago because we talk about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, car rides from 1968, so uh, <laughs> exactly. not much else really, but. But yeah. the other thing about this temple is the long, one of the long walls on it
2: is built at a sort of cockeyed angle. It's not a well-constructed building. It's a little <laughs> bit, it's a little bit uh, sloppy. Well, what you do try you and
0: get a, you try and get a contractor <laughs> <To> really, <laughs> in, in that period. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yes,
1: it's uh, it's hard to find. What what are you saying? Why why is that significant? I think that they kind of, you know, it's a very, it's a kind of a
2: a villagey, you know, (laughs) kind of sloppy job that Mm -hmm. they didn't really nail the job well. That these buildings, all of these temples in the Middle Bronze Age and Late Bronze Age are all pretty well made with right angles and very symmetrical. I mean, the symmetry is one of the central features, I think, of the long room style temple. And here they kind of screwed up on the symmetry. You know, the the long wall is not 100% right angle to the front wall. Um, and I just think that that sort of indicates, you know, maybe it's not such a, uh, you know, maybe it's not a projection from the central government. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, just a bunch of locals who are slapping
0: up their own temple because no. It's not slapdash, slapdashitude. it's, it's a local reification or emanation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, use the big words.
1: <laughs> Maybe they just didn't have long enough rulers. Maybe they, they were just a little bit sloppy.
0: It's, they're defying the, the convention. It's, it's, uh, you know, we don't do right angles out here.
2: We don't need no stinking right angles. <laughs> yeah, I still I still think it's a little bit. Uh, it's interesting.
1: Uh, um, well, I want to come back to the. Can I come back to the the potential Steely with legs, or are we not up to that yet?
2: Yeah, of course. Oh, okay.
1: so so within this temple, they found this stone which seems to have human legs um sort of angled like feet are facing the same direction which is kind of typical of um of depictions of like baal and storm gods in other parts of of the levant and near east in general and um if if they're right and they're not sure that because it's very eroded apparently but um so you have some sort of image, perhaps, of a deity and perhaps a deity that might not be Yahweh, although who knows. And um, this, was, this was the thing that got everybody excited fairly recently. Um, but one thing that, that became clear when I read some of this stuff more carefully is that this was actually found in secondary use. This was used, um, it was built into a wall and um, in, in a second phase, in like the ninth century phase of, of the temple. And um, so, so it was at some point, let's, let's go with the fact that maybe it was a depiction of a standing deity. And then it was kind of broken up and um, reused in um, as just building material in a later phase. Um, and while one thing I read was that the excavators say that, um, and this has actually struck me as interesting because I've never heard this before, um, that you're kind of, you might be breaking it up, but it's still holy somehow. So you're leaving it near its original context, um, kind of like the comparison was to Agnesa, right? You don't want to just throw it away. So you uh-huh. reuse it. I thought that was very interesting, but on the other hand, I don't know, breaking up a cult statue, that's like, isn't that just wrong? <laughs> um, Bad mojo. Yeah. Comes out of that. Yeah, yeah. So I realize I've just said two contradictory things, but
0: that's well, okay. look, the the the. The idea of, of a cult statue, and I looked at this picture. I can't tell whether it's it's standing, whether you're looking at it head on or whether it's striding in some way. Um, you know, the the obvious uh, the obvious comparison is Indara um, yeah. from North Syria, where you don't have legs, you have these carved had till totally blown up um, carved feet standing you know, where the god would have stood looking into, in his, in his, or her, um, temple space. So maybe there's, (laughs) maybe from the knees down, there's some kind of significance um, to, to these cult statues, but there are no cult statues of, you know, Yahweh or Ashira or as as such, now pillar figurines, um, which we've t- we've talked about to some, with some controversial results, um, they don't have they don't have legs. Um,
1: well, that's true. They're so, like the the antithesis. Of they're the, God.
0: the antithesis. <laughs> so, you know, women don't have legs, but men the males do have legs. I don't know. Somebody help me out here, because <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah.
1: I mean, the pillar figurines are a very particular style of yeah, sure, um, in time and place. But um, you know, you've got plenty of Near Eastern goddesses depicted here and there. Um, right, which, but not not in the southern Levant. Not in the southern Levant. Uh, uh, but no. you do have plenty of references to Asherah trees or Asherah poles or Asherot, um, and which might have been made of wood. Hence, the the euphemistic translation is poles or or, or trees, so you have plenty of references to Asherah statues and Baal statues, for that matter. And we also know, if I can go back to the biblical text um, of <laughs> Second Kings, a couple of different chapters. You know, you've got um, kings like Manasseh erecting Asherahs in the temple yeah. itself, and then that's of a, course you've got Hezekiah. It's a bad
0: idea.
1: It's a bad idea. Yeah, and yeah. you've got Hezekiah and Josiah who think it's a really bad idea. Right. And they get rid of these Asherah things and they also get rid of all the bow implements that are also in the temple. So, you know, first of all, okay, so first of all, we've got the whole issue of monotheism versus polytheism, which whatever. And then, um, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> let's just uh, dismiss the greatest innovation of, of the biblical world with a whatever. No,
1: let's not dismiss it. Let's, let's just point out that it probably didn't really get going until, until a little bit later than the time of Solomon and his immediate descendants. Um,
0: a little bit later.
1: Yeah, all right, a couple centuries later. <laughs> um, uh, but but it's, it should not, again, this is what we said at the beginning, right? It shouldn't surprise us to find um, evidence of of worship of other deities in tenth, 9th century Judah,
2: right. In other words, the big takeaway is, would archaeologists stop being so surprised? <laughs> <laughs> every every just new discovery is met with you know just extraordinary levels of 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 of, uh, of surprise, and maybe well, that's-
0: why. Why is that? Is that is that a just the, the naive, child childlike, the inner child, that's being, uh, you know that that's that's coming out. The fascination with newness and discovery.
2: It's the it fascination
0: kind of, with discovery, uh, in reference to the ego. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. I think. Oh, I I have the I have the ID on the line here. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. She's just hung up. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, is, so a, as with as with many of these things, the surprising thing is that people are surprised. Right. Right. That comes
1: back to what I said at the beginning. It's this kind of, you know, maybe public. Decision, or that's not the right word. Public inability to acknowledge the polytheism in the Bible. So, when you're an archaeologist and you're presenting this to a news outlet like Haaretz, where one of the articles about this was published, you want to be really careful, right? Because you don't want to necessarily shock people and uh, and shock your <laughs> public by acknowledging the what it's a
0: shock to the system. <laughs> Dozens like, taken to the hospital <laughs>
1: upon,
0: upon learning that the, the Israelites uh, pra- practice something besides strict monotheism.
1: Right, well, that's exactly.
0: Well, we don't want to accuse anybody of, of being cynical uh, or you know, being insufficiently cynical, um, but are, are we are we sort of raising an eyebrow at the education system <laughs> as, as a whole? Uh, um,
1: Well, one thing, I don't want to get too far off topic, but I presented this at ASOR a gajillion years ago um, in reference to like textbooks, which talk about like, you know, secondary school or, or basic college textbooks that talk about history of the ancient world. And you go through all this evidence from Mesopotamia and Egypt, and then you have a tiny section on the Southern Levant and it's all biblically based. It says, you know, there was this guy, Abraham who lived in the bronze age. And then there was this this period of the Israelites. And it's like, you know, the, the, what everybody knows within the academic community hasn't trickled down to, to- um, That's a good point. In a way that, um, that, you know, Mesopotamia and Egypt have trickled down to the public because we're kind of stuck on the bible still even 140 years after archaeology of this part of the world began.
0: Right. Well, I think but uh, but but to be fair, um to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, which which and when someone says to be fair, you you know that they they mean <laughs> the exact opposite. Oh, <laughs> um, there's a great little riff in the TV show Letterkenny
2: whenever someone says to be fair. So, I just I'll just reference that
0: Okay, <laughs> and ask you to continue. It's, it's a word from our new sponsor. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've always been skeptical, you know, again, it's my I'm channeling my inner cynic. I've always been skeptical that other, part, other parts of the ancient Near East scholars there from are all that interested in knowing or caring um, more than about the biblical a superficial biblical account in their in their haughtiness and dismissiveness towards towards the Levant, um, but I'm also you know a compl- complimentary to that. I, I'm also not sure that the public knows more about the rest of the ancient Near East. Besides, um, you know, Egyptians made pyramids, and the Mesopotamians had this kind of weird writing stuff. Mm, mm. So. Again, it's the education system that's let us down and, and we can fix that for a substantial <laughs> amount of money. This podcast is just a first step. Our, <laughs> that's our, right. Our free education platform. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, uh, so keep those, keep those checks coming.
1: Well, I mean, this is getting dangerously close to co- ground we've covered in another podcast, but why do you think <laughs> that is, Alex, that there, that, that, even academics are happy not to pay attention to this part of the world
0: uh compartmentalization specialization
1: <laughs> okay good answer that's all, you know that, that's <laughs> oh, that's a good answer
0: that's we'll we'll leave it at that okay good people know people know what they what they know and they, they work it where they work there are very few generalists um anymore hmm. and uh not necessarily that there's a sh- there's any shame in that.
1: Um, those of us who teach undergraduates have have become generalists since our graduate student days. I think. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's a good thing. You know, I think I know more about Egypt and Mesopotamia than I did in graduate school.
0: At any kind of cutting edge level, though.
1: No, come on. <laughs>
0: enough, enough to teach a two thousand level class. Well, okay. I'm not again. I'm not criticizing. I'm just just making an observation. Just making an observation.
1: Right, well, let's let's make, get nothing
2: wrong with that. Let's get back to Moza. So we have
1: <laughs> Good idea.
2: we have a temple. Yes. We have silos. We have potential God feet. <laughs> we have potential Godheads We have <laughs> potential Godheads and uh, is this an example of something that was probably common on the in the landscape or is this an exceptional site? Hmm. Is this something that is related to what's going on in Jerusalem or is this just a local adaptation because neither Jerusalem nor Samaria were really able to fully control, you know, what was going on at the village level, or the, or they simply didn't care as long as they got their taxes.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the issue, right? Is this is this how separate is this from the Jerusalem cult? Um, and I guess people are interested because it is it, this particular site is closer to Jerusalem than any other temple. Is that right? Than any other temple site that that has been excavated right.
0: Why, right why why does it have to be separate at all why can't it literally be like the 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 winter temple well, that's another or, option is or it the a, summer temple right is it, a, is it
2: merely an extension but that's why that's where i would say the sloppy building technique might argue against that
1: mm-hmm.
2: If it was an extension you would think that you know, so, someone would have brought a protractor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. right. so so who, so who are the so culturally, the people living seven kilometers south of Jerusalem are clearly within the same cultural rubric as the people within Jerusalem. They're making pottery the same way, etc. So who, who are they that they be, might be worshiping in this temple?
0: Well, they're, they're in these periods. There are all sorts of estates and royally connected kinds of uh, installations, and it's not clear. It's not clear how any of these functionally are are organized in terms of of you know in in social terms. But there are estates here and there that produce agricultural surpluses that seem to be um, plugged into the 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 power hierarchy and that are sl- slightly separate from the the normal settlement hierarchy of of incyweency villages and kind of you know towns, fortified towns, whatever they whatever they are. And that's true in both Israel and in and in Judah. So the idea that some king or prince or or nation rival elite or <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a force nice <laughs> yeah would would want to have their own little uh, um slightly sub right angular cult site is not is not out of uh, out of the ordinary i wouldn't think okay. how we this is how we do it out here <laughs> we, don't, we don't do them them fancy right angles but uh but yeah we are plugged in okay and
1: how, long, uh, how long does it take to walk seven kilometers well you're walking uphill mm, right. you. what
0: time Stop. would you start
1: <laughs> um, morning prayers evening prayers
0: you start in the morning you'll be there by late afternoon
1: okay you'll oh,
0: be there no i don't think it's a i think it's a
2: strenuous uphill walk but i i don't think it's i mean these guys, they could walk all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. They're very good at that. Yeah, The bus, the bus stop had not yet been put in.
1: Exactly. And, um, uh, so it's like a day trip that you don't want to do it every day. Well,
0: right. it's, a, it's a schlep. It's a schlep. But, uh, but it's not as if whatever was going on out there was some kind of complete and total mysterious surprise to, to, the, to the elites of Jerusalem. Like, whoa. What, what the? What do you mean they're <laughs> building? Um, I'm, I'm going to get right out there. I'll be out there by by three <laughs> thirty. You know, it's uh, you well, know, to, what's going on at Arad <laughs> with all the smoking of the reefer? Right. Well, um, that's
2: the other thing. Did they, did they look for samples off of the uh, off of the uh, altar?
0: Because we really need to to see if uh, you yeah. know science based archaeology has got to get on the right on the stick here. Right. What
2: was going out? What was going on in, out in Arad was, you know, definitely more iconoclastic. Broadroom Temple, lots of reefer. Uh, you know, clearly they <laughs> they were just doing their own thing. Right. Deep, you know, in the desert. Right,
0: and that's and that's like uh, that's a real marginal, not marginal. That, that's a far away site from Jerusalem comparatively. Right, yep.
2: right.
1: next door. Right.
2: And um, and of course that's the other thing that sort of needs to be stressed. Because Moza is close by and, you know, Arad is, is far, but it's not, you know, it's not distant in, in any way, shape, or form from Jerusalem. This is a really small-scale society. Right. And everything they do is very small-scale. This building at Moza, uh, the fact that there might, I mean, we, we don't even know what this stone is, but it might be, you know, the, the legs of a deity. I mean, this is all very, very um ambiguous small scale stuff. It's not it's not completely clear at you know in any way, shape, or form. Whereas in much of the rest of the Near East, certainty is about stuff is 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 much more forthcoming. Uh, but this is very small scale. And I don't think that that level of small scale interaction has has been taken fully into account in the archaeological interpretation, and in I general, think, in in any of these periods in the Levant, yeah. right? But especially really. in the southern Levant. And again, it's back to your point, Rachel. It's because of the, you know, it's because of the Hebrew Bible, uh, the the bi- the biblical narratives amp everything up. But this yeah. is a really small scale society, where you know, at the local level, it's becoming a little bit clear that they're capable of this kind of stuff and that the central governments aren't particularly concerned or interested or, or, are fine with it. Cause this right. temple lasted for quite a while. Right. Or they're, or they're behind it
1: or mm. they're behind
2: it. But if they're behind it, then that even speaks to uh, the sm- the smallest scale possible. Right. They're behind it, but it's like, they're not even investing a lot in it. And right. you know, that's the safe. argument of, you know, the administrative cities in the 10th century, in which you have these, you know, pretty elaborate gate systems, wall systems, um, uh, you know, all of the building plans, Hatsor and Gezer and Megiddo by Solomon, that kind of stuff. There's great investment in uh, urban architecture by a central government, if you if you accept the kind of traditional view. Right. Um, but in this case, the investment
0: level is 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 very small. Right. Yeah. This is and this is like two steps down from that from a or Megiddo. Three right. steps down.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And uh, right. Yeah, well so, we don't have a good idea about local localism. Um, except that it's been slapping us in the face since the beginning of of archaeology in in this and any other part of the of the world and because we look for because we need to establish chronologies because we need to fit things into larger patterns we tend to dismiss all of not all but uh, you know lots of local variation in order to get the bigger picture And because we have this meta framework from the bible about kings and david and solomon and northern kingdom southern kingdom blah 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 then all these kinds of smaller to little teeny tiny things that go on inside sites inside households inside corners of rooms get um insufficiently insufficient shrift and (laughs) as opposed to short shrift (laughs) right shrifts <laughs> a smaller sibling, <laughs> right? So, so this is, but this, so this is, this is good because it's a picture, it's a, it's a snapshot of a medium shrift.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's um, so so some of the questions that JP you raised a few minutes back. So, what what do you guys ultimately think is that because because a lot of the subtext in archaeological conversations, or maybe it's the actual text, is is you know, how much influence did Jerusalem have in the later Iron II and the earlier Iron II, you know, how much of the picture of the Bible presenting as a centralized uh, capital of a state is, is true. So what do you guys think based on our conversation about Moza?
2: Um, yeah, that's a good question because I, I'm honestly, I'm thinking more about it now, I'm thinking differently about it now than before our conversation. Mm-hmm. and and i think that it is a very it can help get us to the point where we can start thinking about these kinds of issues in a much sort of more realistic way instead of a, a kind of a you know big picture biblical narrative story kind of way
0: mm-hmm. yeah well that's the thing you can you can either look at it from the top down in the, or the, the meta sense down, the biblical textual sense you're... down, or you can look at it from the, from the archeology up, like, oh, here's a, here's a, a site. It's probably a temple. Um, what's, what's up with that? How do we fit that into the, the broader picture of um, variability and uniform, or uniformity in this, Small ish society where the population was probably never more than a few tens of thousands of people, hundreds, a hundred thousand people. I don't know, just make up a number, but it's small.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: I think that's the
2: most important thing is that we need to start thinking smaller. Small, small. is beautiful.
1: Well, that's our conclusion. There we small. go. Small we got
2: to get small.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that would bring us right back to a rod. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you'll find us <laughs> okay very nice well let's just hope for everyone's sake this is the last time we have to talk about Mozart. guys stop finding cool stuff in the meantime we'd like to thank Erez Dessel, educator and residents at the savannah music festival for our theme music we'd also like to thank our sponsor the john a roebling sons company if you need steel wire for your suspension bridge, think John A. Roebling Sons. Remember, Trenton makes the world takes. So to get in touch, leave us a comment, send us an email at this week in the Ancient Near East, all one word, at gmail.com or send us a postcard at PO box 1177, Boston Mass 02134.